I declare bankruptcy! Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression? Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut! Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my other desk mate, Amanda. Hey! Uh, we are a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit brokenjars.xyz to check out all of our amazing content. Um, Jacob can't be here. He has a meeting. <laughs> At 7.30. <laughs> um, he's sick and dying, and he wants to save his voice for, really, a meeting. A meeting. Yeah, so... I mean, when, when real life imitates art. Not that I'm trying to call him on shit, but I'm oh also God. sick and dying. And perhaps I have an important meeting. You don't. You're right. You're I right. volunteered you for this. I don't. I don't have an important <laughs> meeting. Uh, so we're covering two episodes this week of The Office. We're in season six. Our first episode is episode 19, Saint Patrick's Day. Written by Jonathan Hughes, directed by Randall Einhorn. Um. Yeah, so Amanda had watched this yesterday. I had. And then she just watched it again. I did. And the fun thing about Amanda's rewatch of it today was that she wasn't watching it up until the part where she remembered she watched from yesterday. Yes. <laughs> so this whole first half of this part of the episode is going to be a total blur to her. <laughs> it's probably true. It is Scranton. <laughs> it's St. Patrick's Day in Scranton. St. Patrick's Day. Um, one of the biggest holidays uh, of the year in Scranton for some reason. The whole office is decked out in green. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's a little weird, and I would imagine that that's not an accurate assessment of the holiday fanaticism of St. Patrick's Day there. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. It I mean, seems where, crazy. Where is St. Patrick's Day? Been? I know. Chicago? The, <laughs> the only time I ever really, like, I mean, when obviously when I was growing up, we wore green on St. Patrick's Day or whatever to school. Yeah. But, like, that was school. Yeah. I didn't notice adults do that going to work. You know what I mean? So yeah. The only time I ever really noticed St. Patrick's Day out in the world like that is if you're at a bar on St. Patrick's Day. Right. Or in New York City on St. Patrick's Day, it's very noticeable. I mean, they've painted that river green in Chicago. <laughs> and that too. So so I guess it is big some places. Not in Ireland, probably. <laughs> probably not. Right? Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know. It does seem weird that everybody in the office is that into it. But if, they, if it's a thing amongst themselves, then it's a thing amongst themselves. Yeah. That said, we haven't heard about it until season six, so. Right. Come on now. I mean, so we got Oscar wearing a green tie, Michael's wearing a green tie, Kevin's wearing a full-on suit. Yeah, green of suit. Green. Um, Aaron is <laughs> working. I just like to think that he has just that for he wears Patrick's one time a year. Yeah, one time a year. Yeah. Um, Aaron is working tirelessly to make only green M and M's in their candy bowl. That's right. That Michael comes in and immediately grabs all of them and puts them in his coat pocket. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's decorations all over the place, but um. There's two significant events that happened during this St. Patrick's Day in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sabre CEO, Joe something. I the, forget her last name. Damn it. Stand by. It's, um, well, the other thing is uh, it's uh, Jim's first day back. Right. After having a CC. 
CC. It makes it sound like you're like having like a weird abreve for like C-section. I'm having a CC. It's a weird abreve for her real name, I'm gonna, Cecilia. I'm going to go okay. get a CC. <laughs> oh my God. It's too real. That's not what this is about. Joe Bennett. Joe Bennett, that's right. <clears throat> so Joe Bennett's last day at the Scranton branch. Uh, Jim Halpert's first day back after the baby. Um, so there's a lot going on, a lot of shifting, a lot of a lot of things like that happening. Uh, the first thing Jim sees when he comes back is Megadesk. Megadesk. <laughs> it is three desks, um, Pam's desk, Jim's desk, and Dwight's desk, arranged in such a way that gives Dwight three surfaces. Right. Now, I'm going to say it's they... It's like half a desk is exposed. Yeah. And the other half is against the other desk. That's right. Not that much extra surface area, really. No. Although he is utilizing the um, drawer space. Yes. Um, he's got uh, he's got like games going on. He's got surveillance going on. He's got work going on. Uh, Jim quickly disassembles Megadisc. Not for the last time in this episode. Right. Um. So this causes Dwight to start his diabolical planning against Jim again, right? It stopped. I guess there was like an unspoken truce due to baby. But uh, the dismantling of Megadesk is just a step too far. Right. Uh, Joe is on her way out. She's going back to Tallahassee. So she makes a passing comment to Michael after receiving a gift from him, a piece of coal. Right. Uh, that whenever he's in town, Tallahassee being the town, uh, he can he'll have a place to stay. Now this isn't the first time that Michael has taken such suggestions at face value in right. that moment. <laughs> um, so in this instance, Michael off camera buys a ticket to right. Tallahassee. So right. we will see the repercussions of that in minutes. Uh, what else is going on, darling? Ah, Andy S. Uh, has their his first date with Aaron this evening. Right. This St. Patrick's Day evening. Um, he's wearing a kilt, which is actually his sister's field hockey skirt, which is all wrong anyways. Do Irish people wear kilts? No, it's Scottish, Scottish people, people do. Right? Yeah, yeah. So way off Well, I, I don't know if Irish people do as well, but yeah. I mean, it's a Scottish thing. If Scottish you're Irish, let us know yeah. in your five-star review on iTunes. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> um... So part of what Joe does as her, like, I'm leaving an area thing, is she leaves the floor open for suggestions. All, all forms of feedback. You know, what could we be doing better? How do you feel? You know, how do you think the merger's happening? Whatever. Um, Kevin has a great suggestion of making a soap-suntan lotion combo. <laughs> how would that work? <laughs> Wouldn't you just put it on? Get protected by the sun, but as soon as you go into your pool or ocean, you become all lathered? I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost like like there's they make facial moisturizers that have like SPF in them. Yeah. So I think the idea is if like you just had some SPF in soap. Like it would leave some residual SPF. Yeah. And like as you, if you use the soap every day... You would just have would be like a constantly low protected key from the sun. Pr- sun protection. I see. I feel like he's on to something. <laughs> I don't understand how it would work, right. but it's not a terrible idea. Um, Daryl does have a good idea. 
He does. Shows up and says, we don't really understand what his idea is. We just know the general broad strokes of it is that paper and printers should not ship at the same time. Yeah. And it's a series of sending paper trucks out, bringing them back to ship out printers. And apparently his doodle is good enough for Joe Bennett to give him Jim's old desk. Right. Um. And we've only been with Gabe for a little bit, but we see more sniveling of Gabe in this episode, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, I moved in there, but I'll leave in a couple minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Michael is like the worst during this session of the day, right? He uh, He's doing something he did very similar to what he did with uh, Charles Minor, mm-hmm. where people come up to him and he gives quick one-sentence summaries of who they are. Right. Um, Oscar, of course... Always gay. the gay accountant. <laughs> That's right. Um, so Joe. I mean, actually, at least he's not the Hispanic accountant or right, something. Right. That's true. That's fair. That's probably worse, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know. Close. <laughs> um, at so, least he's not the gay Hispanic <clears throat> accountant. We can all agree that just gay accountant is better than gay Hispanic accountant, right? I don't know if we can. Okay. He is Hispanic and gay, but I don't know if we can. Okay. Um, yeah. So Michael's just super patronizing to Daryl, right? Mm-hmm. He says, we'll stick that up on the fridge. Right. It's a great doodle or whatever. He kind of misses the point. This is, I'm trying to think, because watching the show at leisure and for the podcast confuses my old noggin, Amanda. Yeah. This is not the first time we have or will see Daryl kind of, no. Okay, this is the first time maybe we've seen it, but he's going to do it again later where Daryl will have to step over Michael to give a suggestion to corporate because Michael keeps shutting down those ideas. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten that vibe from Daryl all along because I'm, I'm trying to remember. There's an early episode. Oh, it's when he goes for his raise. Well, that too, right. Yeah. That, like, Michael... That, I think, is ne- involuntary negligence by Michael mm-hmm. because he hasn't been doing his own self-preservation in terms right, of trying to right. make sure he got raises. So he didn't understand that his whole staff was probably underpaid. Right. Um, And now we know why Scranton is the most profitable branch. Because no one's making money. (laughs) No one's making any money. Um, But so Daryl gets to move upstairs. Gabe moves out. And this kind of is a shift. One, it's great because then um, Craig Robinson gets to be on the show more. Right. Because now he's part of that gang. Um, But this is also the beginning of a separation between him and the staff downstairs in the warehouse. Right. Uh, people start seeing him as like soft, right? It's like an office guy, right? Um, and then eventually we bring on Valerie, who ends up being the new warehouse foreman, right? And that's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Love triangles. We'll get there. Jerky. Well, I won't get there, but you and Jacob will get <laughs> that's there. Right. And the listeners at home. And the <laughs> listeners at home. Yeah. Um, so we flip to the other side of the world, and um, Dwight's plays cats in the cradle. Do you know this song? Or only from what you've seen in the show? Cats in the Cradle. Uh, I definitely know it, but... Uh, let's, uh, let's pull up some lyrics here. Okay. Cats in the Cradle lyrics. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. 
And the song progresses to the point where the father gets older and is trying to spend time with his son, but now his son is working. I see. And he pulls, the son pulls the thing, he's like, you know. He's like, I'm going to be like you, dad. That's right, that's I'm right. I'm going to be like you. And then the son is like him because right. he's avoiding his father. Right. Uh, I mean, it's an on-point song. My dad used to sing it to me. <laughs> and if, I, I don't make a lot of dad jokes on the show, so the listeners may not know, but I don't have a great relationship with my father. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. That's right. So okay. I feel like my dad used to sing it to me. Well, look out then. I know. I should be careful. <laughs> I mean, we're old, but who knows? Right. <laughs> um. So the stereo gets unplugged or whatever, but Andy can't resist singing a tune. Right. So him and Dwight sing it a cappella. So it's pretty great. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. So during the uh, the suggestion meeting, Michael reveals that he did buy plane tickets on July fourth. Right. Terrible. Right. Doesn't really know Joe. Right. He's going to a place he's never been. Right. And it's a holiday that I feel like should be well known that if you have a destination home, right. people will want to go there. Right. So he should have obviously thought that his like family would be, her family would be in town or something. Right. Like so he Yeah, kinda, or that she would be away or that she has holiday. Any plan. number I mean, of things. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he kind of gets uh, yelled at in front of the whole group and he, he has this moment where he looks at them and he does this a lot in the show where he's really talking to himself but he's trying to play it off as he's talking to the room and he goes like put on a brave face <laughs> you know but it's just like him trying not to cry right um so really the last crux of the episode is that the whole office wants to leave five o'clock swings right. by and they're all packing up stanley's really great at leaving at five and um joe is still working and michael doesn't really know how to read her obviously <laughs> So he gets this passive-aggressive response that if he hasn't worked hard enough, then why should he leave? Right. You know, that kind of right. thing. So he, he runs outside and tells everybody to sit back down, and they all sit down, and you know they're there for hours, really. Right. I think the next time we hear a time, it's like seven. Yeah, I really appreciate this bit. It really reminds me of like what I like about the show in the earlier seasons, because obviously we're in the later seasons and the show isn't as good. We all know that, right? Not everybody. <laughs> but this is what I really honestly loved about the show initially is like how well it captures real office, real office stuff and makes it like entertaining and put it out there as something that was entertaining even though it's kind of like Seinfeld right like it's kind of nothing right, right. like everybody just something everybody experiences but I appreciate this bit because it feels that way like yeah. we all know the feeling of like well I can't leave because my boss didn't leave yet right and in fact I heard a study kind of recently and somebody had done this study um, of a bunch of bosses who like said that they know their employees are really hard workers and they always leave first, but they know that their office staff stays uh-huh. like a while after they leave or whatever. And of course, you know, some outside people did a like watched <laughs> right. or whatever. And no, as soon as the boss leaves, everybody leaves, regardless right. of how good of workers they are or right. how loyal they are or whatever, you know, like as soon as the boss is gone, they're going to go. Yeah. I did it today myself. And when you got I caught, work, didn't you? And I did get caught. <laughs> I did. But, you know, so <laughs> it's a very real feeling right. of like, oh, well, I can't leave because they didn't leave yet. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used to sit in a great place at our old office building at the same company I worked at for a long time where I sat in between my boss and the door. Mm. So she had to pass me to leave. Right. So I would just split. 
she would never even know it was gone. Right. Then she'd go to say goodbye or whatever, and my empty pitch black. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, that was great. Yeah. It Th- doesn't work that way now, but it was a great time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Michael says something earlier in the show, too, where he goes, um, where he's criticizing Jim's work ethic. He's like, Jim's not a hard worker. Right. He could do in an hour what would take me all day to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's like one it of the great bit. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Okay, so uh, so as they're trying to leave, Todd Packer makes an appearance and he's calling and apparently he's at a bar in the top in and he wants Michael to show up and there's a lot of uh, fat and ugly women. That's what he says. Yeah. Uh, and Michael would have had a chance. <laughs> so he's very disappointed that he's not there. Um, Calvin and a couple of the warehouse guys come up and they kind of pick on Daryl. Right. He's got his shirt tucked in. Terrible. Yeah. Hate tucking in shirts. Yeah. I feel like he did it of his own volition. That's what's so funny about it. Right, like he got, like he up, there got up there and he's all he's like, like oh, oh, I have to look like I belong in an office. I'll tuck in my shirt. And then yeah. they come in and they're yeah. like, you're such an idiot. Well, it's tough though. Yeah. It's tough. And he, in this moment too, feels that he is being watched by Joe. Right, of course. So it's like a heavy lies the crown. Kind yep. of thing. <laughs> um, but if, let's see. So what else happens here? A lot of shit, man. Uh, okay. So, Aaron and Andy. Yes. Aaron is sick all day. They're supposed to have this date, but she has to go home early. Joe sends her away. Andy's like, well, I got to go. So, he fakes being sick. Joe sends him away, too. Right. Perfecto. So, we go to Aaron's apartment where Andy has brought some electrolyte-filled drinks. You know, some type of Scranton version of Gatorade. Just a sports drink on the bottle, I noticed. <laughs> there it is, yeah. Sports drink. <laughs> Sports exclamation point drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we meet Aaron's foster brother. Right. So this is weird. Right. Because it could be read a lot of ways. But I, let me tell you how I read it. I okay. Mean, Go for it. Um, I feel the show positions it that foster brother has a thing for Aaron. Mm. That's how I feel. I also, the other way I could see it is that the show wants me to feel this way. Right. Because Andy definitely feels that way. Right. Um, and maybe Andy is overestimating yeah. their relationship. I think Andy thinks, like, not only does he think that the foster brother's into it, but that, like, Aaron is too. Well, that too. Because like, yeah, I mean, obviously, initially, before he's introduced as the foster brother, Andy just assumes that's her boyfriend or something. Like, he's confused by it, right? Well, yeah, he has, like, a scared moment when the door opens up and right. doesn't know, yeah. I mean, he tries to chip her up. He lives there, right. He does the handshake, and the guy makes the comment that his hands are cold and steals his chair. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like the show doesn't want us to think anything. Just wants us to think that it's normal. Her relationship, she has a brother, and her relationship with him is normal. And we see why Andy's uncomfortable, but he's obviously, like, he, he doesn't understand that, like, they're close the way siblings are, you know? Well, so let me ask this, and this is this is a very dangerous question. Please. Is it possible that the creators or the writers of the show have tried to frame this scene in a confusing way by trying to take advantage of the uncommon relationship of foster siblings at an adult age? Right. Um, because if it was just her brother right. and they were doing that, it would be a totally different joke. Right. Um, 
but because they're foster, there's no blood relation. I think that's why I feel they're pushing right. the possible thing there. Right. Well, I think the the thing about the fosterness, aside from the fact that it's just established that um, Aaron is adopted and all that long before this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's the thing that for Andy and for a viewer such as yourself and such as me and such as anybody who doesn't understand that relationship, all of us could be like, well, they could be dating. They're not even related. Right. They could have like hooked up when they were kids. Like who knows? Right. You know, they're just like two kids who are not related who share the same house. Right. Right. Um, And so I think it's honest what you're feeling and what Andy's feeling because like you just don't know. You know, right? And of course, that stuff does happen. I mean, we there's plenty of documented cases of like step siblings falling in love or like being caught by their parents having sex and stuff because they're not related. They just live in the same house and they happen to be the same age and whatever, you know. So it happens and it is possible among foster siblings, step siblings, whatever. Real siblings. Real siblings too. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Um, But I think the honest truth is, Aaron and this guy are just close the way siblings are. And I think we as viewers are supposed to know that. So you don't think the foot smelling moment is weird. I think the whole thing is weird, which is why this moment is so tough. Because like, here's the thing. You are a male person. Correct. And you have a brother who is also a male person. Also correct. I'm a female person. Who, Accurate. <laughs> who um, has a sister correct. who is also a female person. Neither of us have the opposite gender sibling. Yes. Right? Because... The interaction between Aaron's foster brother and Aaron is definitely something I could see my sister and I doing with each other. Mm. But, like, we're girls. I don't know. You know, like, we definitely sit on the couch snuggled like that or whatever. This foot thing is weird and stupid, but, like, Aaron is weird and stupid, so. She's weird. <laughs> she's weird. I'll not give you stupid. Okay, okay. So, she's weird. Um, so, yeah. So, like, I don't know. Because that foot thing is just weird. It's weird that he made a comment about her feet in... When somebody else is in the house, like the whole thing is, that's just weird. Yeah. I mean, to me, maybe as a guy, it feels like he's doing like this power thing. Mm. He's like mine. Yeah. In whatever context, mine. I sit next to her. Right. I know things about her that you don't know. Right. Stinky feet. Right. Um, You know, it seems like this power thing. And then the kiss goodbye at the door. Similarly, he's kind of like lording over it, you know? Yeah, but he's also like, if that's her brother, I feel like brothers might act that way. Sure, but they're like 26 plus. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, Aaron has some underdeveloped social skills. I'm looking out for her, you know. Or he's like, (laughs) I'm going to put it in her butt later. Oh my God. I don't know. I just feel like it's very open to interpretation. Yeah. And it's a very uncomfortable scene. I just think his she hand doesn't lingers have a... on her calf. That's the problem. <laughs> Foot smelling aside, it's I just lingering. don't think they actually have a relationship. No, I think probably. we're supposed to understand that Andy is being a little sensitive or whatever. Because I will say too, but, they do paint but Aaron. We also in a don't way. need to blame him for how he feels. I think any of us would feel that way in that situation. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel right. that way now. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, it is pointed out later on that Aaron definitely has some insecurities or lack of experience in relationships when she finds out that Andy was engaged to Angela. Right. Which, you know, on one hand he should have said. Yeah. Um, but it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's not like he was engaged yeah, but it to seems her like while they were dating. That didn't come up. 
just weird to have not come up when that moment happens. Um, when the moment, ha- that's what I'm saying. Like if it just never came up, an idle conversation, they're so yeah. early in their relationship. Yeah, I guess. I don't know exactly when it happens. Yeah. I mean, so. me and Jacob will find out. Yeah, you'll find out. <laughs> but um, anyways. So that's fine. It's an okay date. Um, finally, Michael decides to sack up. He says, Joe, my employees have done a great amount of work. I am proud of their quality and quantity, yada, yada, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's 8.30. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That's well, really late. Well, and back to Michael and Gabe have five. that co- talk in the kitchen. Yeah. Or Gabe says it's kind of common for her. Right. So thank goodness she's leaving, really. Right. But, um, and he makes this comment uh, that I didn't understand, but you asked me about it, and I was like, I don't want to talk about it because we're going to Right. And you asked me anyways. Right. Sorry. But Gabe makes a comment about going to Amsterdam like yeah, six times a year. seven times a year. He says, I wouldn't have to go to Amsterdam seven times a year. Let's see. Gabe tells her, da da da. Nope, that's that. Michael asked Joe to lunch, yada yada. Vulgarity. Gabe is forced to help Joe in her bags. Never dated or done anything. He was has wanted to because Joe uh, expects him to work too much. Right. Oh, so maybe he wants to go to Amsterdam? No, he says I wouldn't... Have oh, to maybe he said I would go to Amsterdam seven six times, times a year. year. I'd go to Amsterdam seven times a year. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a lot of times. <laughs> okay, I'll go once. I'll just never come back. Okay. <laughs> um, for reference to read the... Foster brother this is the only appearance he makes in the show. Yeah. So it's never really. Well, I was going to ask about that too. Do you think like what part of what I think is weird about that is like why does she live with her foster brother? Like, I mean, I guess you lived with your brother. Right. Oh yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's normal. <laughs> I would never live with my sister. It would be horrifying. Um, but do you think she just lives with them, or do they live at home? No, they no. don't have a home. <laughs> They're orphans. <laughs> you fuck. Oh. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Well, because I don't know if you recall too, but there was a they, there was a moment where they weren't in the same house, right? For whatever reason. Yeah, it's weird. He says between ten and twelve, and, and like fifteen to eighteen, or something. yeah, fifteen to eighteen, like two I or think. three years where they're not together. That's so sad. It makes me that comment when I hear it, it makes me really sad. Well, we recently adopted a puppy, <laughs> and you took her away from her siblings <laughs> that she will never see again. That's oh, probably what it's goodness. like. Um. Let's see if there's any trivia. It was supposed to air on the 18th, but it was moved up because the delivery became an hour-long two-parter. Um, so wait, so it didn't air on St. Patrick's Day? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it was, is that 18th St. Patrick's Day? Uh, I, it's probably close to it. Yeah, it's the 18th. Yeah. Yep, so New Leeds was the 18th, so this was actually a week before. Oh, weird. Um... Errors. Andy does not have a sister. He could have lied about it being his sister's to avoid admitting he owned a skirt. Right. Whatever. Um, okay. Yeah, so, that seems just like a retcon thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. St. Patrick's Day is traditionally on March 17th. 17th. Sorry. Thank you. Um, any comments? <laughs> For the comments on the episode? Um, I love the moment at the end when Michael goes to pay for everybody's drinks and Oscar yeah. says, no, they're on us or right. whatever. It's a really nice moment. It's always nice. Obviously, no, like... He likes him. Yeah, it's nice when they have moments where they like him because obviously yeah. he sucks so bad. 
all the time. Right. right. <laughs> so it's nice to see the moments where it's like, oh. Yeah, it's hard to say, right? They're because friends. like he That's made nice. them stay, but right. he also like let them go. So right. It's like, well, he got them out of it, right? But did he make them stay to their benefit because Joe is mean like that? Right. So who knows? Who knows? But yeah, it's like that's a nice moment. Yeah. So what would you rate this episode? Oh my goodness, I didn't even think about the ratings. I forget how you guys do the show. Out of five. It's out of five. Okay. And we usually add some word from the episode itself. Uh, we do points sometimes. Yeah, I'm gonna do a point, but you can go first. Because I need to come up with a thing. I, I didn't think of a thing. Well, I'm going to give it a 3.2 out of 5 green M&M's. Nice. It's a fine episode. I was going to give it a 3.2 also. So hey. I feel like I have been affirmed or something. It's nice that we have the same number. So um, I'm, I was going to give it a 3.2 Meredith's Humping Todd Packer. Mm, that's a good hump. It's a great hump. Well, it's a terrible hump. But it's... <laughs> It's quality. It's a funny moment. And I love that quote from Michael, too. I forget who he says that he's quoting, but somebody who's not even Irish. Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> yeah. And then he, it's a, and then it's a, what did he say? Don't worry, be happy? Yeah. <laughs> it's Bob Marley? <clears throat> no, it's Bobby McFerrin. Oh. Oh. But Bobby McFerrin's a black dude. I see. He's, who, black people could be Irish. They can be. But I'm pretty sure he's an American guy. Do you ever see the movie <clears throat> Two If By Sea? No. That oh. sounds boring. Yeah, okay. Is it boring? Uh, it's... Answer. It's not a great movie. So but it's boring. It's Dennis Leary and Sandra Bullock as like con artists, I okay. think. Or something. They're like sort of petty criminals or something. And they're being chased by the cops or whatever. It's like a kind of Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. Say Sandra Bullock? Yeah. Okay. But the cop is Yafet Kodo. Do you know who Yafet Kodo is? No. He's a big black guy. Okay. But the cop's name is O'Malley. Uh-huh. And so the joke of the whole movie, it's a comedy. The joke of the whole movie is like he comes to crime scenes or to whatever. And people, and he announces himself as O'Malley. And everybody thinks like, everybody has something to say about it, right? right. Because he's black. And how could he possibly have the name O'Malley? So he like fakes Irish accents. And it's all very funny. Anyway, yes, black people can be Irish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Bobby McFerrin is not. Not Irish, no. Yeah. Um, a really great Dennis Leary and Sandra Bullock movie is Demolition Man. Oh, yeah. Great. I for- <laughs> also a comedy. I forget about Dennis Leary. Yeah, he's like the yeah. hobo em- yeah. emancipator. I forgot. <laughs> that is a great movie. It's as great. opposed to Two If By Sea, which is pretty shoddy at best. New leads. <laughs> Episode 20, written by Brent Forrester, directed by Brent Forrester. Way to go, Brent Forrester. <laughs> Three cheers for Brent Forrester. So the cold open... Oh, wait, you didn't say about Mega Desk or um, Quad Desk. Oh. Oh, is I that did. the cold open no, of this one? You're, no, you're right. I it's, forgot about that. I'm like, the, God, how did I forget? It doesn't change my rating, but okay. we'll talk about it. It is a funny moment. No, well, we did talk about Mega Desk, right, but we're Quad Desk. The Quad Desk. So is, Quad is Desk the is, the, is yeah. the button. Jim is sitting... <laughs> On this pyramid of desks, two base, doesn't make any sense. Single in the middle, physically impossible. <laughs> Calls it quad desk. There's only three desks. Dwight points it out. Right, and where the fuck is Jim sitting? Where is he sitting? Now my because yes, it could be a very tall chair or several chairs or a chair stacked on boxes. But we see Dwight crawl Go underneath, under it, and there's clearly and there's no, nothing there. Now they sit on rolling chairs in that office. Mm-hmm. Part of what I thought was he had some plywood or pine or something yeah that maybe he used to 
make a flooring. Yeah. And I mean, that must he have been how they shot it, for chair. sure. No. You know how they shot it? Space chair. <laughs> Space chair. Floats. <laughs> Anti-gravity. Um, yeah, it seems weird. I don't it's get it. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. And it's quick, though. Yeah. But having watched this episode 20 times right. in a week. It's bugging me. Yeah. It's very <laughs> noticeable. But yeah. um, Also, what's the benefit? It's just up. Yeah. <laughs> Mega desk, you had surface, you had drawers. Quad right. desk, it's just like... To make you look very powerful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's like, we'll have to rename it then, won't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps going. Um, so the cold open for new leads... Uh, Michael calls Jim into his office to show that he has a photo of Johnny Depp. Oh, right. This is a great cold open. In his condo. Right. (laughs) Walking around his condo. So uh, after Jim is able to kind of dissuade Michael from like, okay, obviously Johnny Depp's not walking around your condo. Right. The complex specifically, not 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 inside the actual condo. (laughs) Right. Um, Though, if he was... I feel like that would make it more believable that it was Johnny Depp, to be honest. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like something... Doesn't Johnny Depp seem like the kind of crazy guy who would just like be in your house? No. I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, so finally, Michael's like, yeah, you know, because the name of his on his mailbox was M. Shulman. Oh, yeah. And Jim goes, M. M. Night, Night Shulman? <laughs> and Michael it's is like... It's so good. It is great. Because Jim just knows yeah, that Michael a, don't know nothing. It, it's a great cold open. So, I will say the photo, believable as Johnny Depp. No, I don't think so. I think so. I think it does look like him. Rewind the tape. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so I mean, I don't know what Johnny Depp looked like in 2010. Did you? You know, we have some tangents and asides on this I'm so show. Sorry. I don't know if you've ever been on the show before. I think I have. You have. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's this drama about Johnny Depp being in this new Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah. And there was more drama today. Oh yeah. The director, David Yates, mm-hmm. of this new Harry Potter movie, who I think directed like the last large batch of them or something, uh, defended Johnny Depp. Oh, shit. Basically saying that one person said this thing and multiple of Johnny's exes have come out in defense of him. Right. So it's more than just a he said, she said. It's one person said versus a lot of people said. And he said something like it's just like a dead case. Like it's a moot point not worth talking about. In his eyes, Johnny has been a respectable, fun-loving guy who shows up at your condo randomly. I mean, he has to say that, right? Because he wants to keep Johnny Depp in his movie because regardless, Johnny Depp will make him money. Is that true, though? I mean, just, I mean. I don't know. Kevin Spacey's not. I know, but people have already forgotten about Johnny Depp because it wasn't a part of this whole scandal. It was almost a year ago. Obviously not. That's why we're having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, but I think people in general. I think think a lot of people didn't even hear about it in the first place. I don't think it made as big of a splash as the rest of these outings mm, these days mm, are. mm. And obviously there's a big difference between this whole sexual assault thing and and just beating your wife. wife. (laughs) Obviously that's an everyday occurrence. All right. I don't know. It's fucked up, though. It's fucked up that he said that. Yeah. As if, like, somebody couldn't beat one wife and not another one. You know what I mean? No, you can't. <laughs> you beat them all. That's it. That's the only way you win an achievement. 
It's fucked up. That's a fucked up comment. I said. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently, like Winona Ryder came out in defense of Johnny Depp when it had happened, and some other people. Winona Ryder is the one. Fucking that. old bitches. Sorry, Winona Ryder's not that old, but I saw another crazy thing today yeah. that Angela Lansbury, who's ninety-two, let's just say it, she's was alive and she's ninety-two. No, she like came out and said that women need to start, um, like, taking whatever she was like blaming victims basically Ooh. it was like she made this like i don't want to misquote exactly what she said but the point of it was like women need to take responsibility for how they act in public which then causes them to be assaulted or whatever fucking old bitches that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying sexual assault she wrote sexual assault she wrote she did okay anyway we're back i'm so sorry uh, no 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 it's all terrible Okay, so the big shtick of this episode basically is that Sabre paid a marketing company $50,000 to develop leads for them based on market research and all that kind of stuff. Right, Essentially, right. this $50,000 worth of leads are prime targets for Sabre to do business with. Right. That is not a crazy amount of money. That is accurate. Right. As a marketing professional. Yeah. Um, what is weird is that when we see them eventually, they are delivered as pieces of paper glued <laughs> to blue index cards. It's so weird. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. That is a protected Excel file, at least. Right. Maybe a PDF, if we're right. really iffy about copying and pasting. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, so. Especially for $50,000. Yeah. I mean, if you just asked the kid who runs the lemonade stand down the street for some leads, that's probably how we'd give them to you. Yeah. Note cards. Right. <laughs> so there's a disconnect in the office before these leads even show up. The sales reps are running around with their Bluetooths. As we recall, there's no caps on their commission. So everything they do is just making money. And um, anything that gets in the way of them making money, uh, they don't really treat kindly. Accounting, asking them to fill out you know, paperwork or whatever... Um, delays in customer service requests or whatever like pretty much every department is in the sales people's way right and they're acting that way which is causing them not to jive very well with the rest of the office right um, the fact that these leads are coming in is making them feel very like king of the castle yes um, and that's causing an issue and Michael sees it he knows um, and Dwight is especially rude um, <laughs> when he says something like you couldn't handle my undivided attention oh yeah amazing um I'm not a huge fan of Dwight versus Michael. Me neither. On a personal level, I don't think it plays well. I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah, they spent so much time showing Dwight is just this mindless follow for Michael specifically. Right. Like when he goes like anti-Michael, and then it just hurts when he goes back. Yeah. So it's weird. Not my favorite thing. Yeah, it's not It's not a strong character choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I get the sense of like things have to shift. Yeah. And Michael's made too many blunders six years in. Right. That it'd be crazy for Dwight just to be the mindless robot. Would it? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Totally That's fine. the thing. Um, it's a TV show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so some things is uh, Dwight goes into Michael's office and patronizes him and says, you call my cell phone, my car phone, blah, 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 if these things right. come in. Phyllis treats Angela like shit, just like, you know, uh, refusing to answer emails or even walk over there. Yeah. I mean, Phyllis is, is a bitch. <laughs> But she has it in her. Angela too. is a bitch and has been mean to Phyllis in the past. So that 
but that relationship's already fraught with tension. And that's I'm, true. That's and true. I guess the Michael Dwight relationship at this point is too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. But what's worse? Yeah. The upfront bizatch. Yeah. Or the bizatch behind our real pine perfume. That's Phyllis. Real pine perfume. <laughs> yeah, that's a callback to when Karen Filippelli thought someone had. Oh yeah, that's right. This is what we do on Bob the Bob Vance Podcast. bought this for me. Yeah, Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration. <laughs> Vance Refrigeration. You've got a lot to learn about this town, honey. <laughs> yeah, that's what she says. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Amazing. There you go. Um, Andy rudely demands a pencil from Daryl. This is fucked up. Oh, right? yeah. He's just walking around the office this is taking so his call. Up. And he's like, give me a pencil. Give me a pencil. And then Daryl wrestles him down to the ground. I mean, it's not so bad, the initial ask. But when Daryl doesn't give it to him, like, keep walking. Right. You know? Right. Like, obviously, Daryl is using the only pencil he has at the moment. Well, and really, too, again, this is like, for all these scenes are basically the straws that break the camel's back right, for all these course, characters. Yeah. So Michael gets the leads and decides he's not going to give it to them. Phyllis, hand him over, numb nuts. Because <laughs> 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 she says it without skipping a beat. She does. Um, so. Could you imagine if you called your boss a oh numb nuts? Oh my God, no way. I can't I imagine it. I have a good relationship with my boss, but I still feel like couldn't call I just could, nuts, there's yeah. no way I could call him that. What are some memes you send to your boss? <laughs> I do send. I don't send any to to Scott. No. Yeah. But your other boss. Yeah, I send lots of memes to my other boss. You got it, dude. Yeah, you got it, dude. Is is my classic, my right? most often sent meme. I don't. Want she sends me back send memes, memes too. She yeah. sent me back today that meme of that little girl who's like shrugging, like oh, the little well, blonde I don't chick? know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the little blonde girl, yeah. She's on it. She knows. She's hip. Yeah. She's hip to the memes. So um, Michael admonishes everybody, decides not to give out the leads at that time. Gabe comes up and says, like, you got to do it. Um, and then Jim also condescendingly approaches Michael being like, trying to pretend to be chummy. Because right. Michael sometimes looks up to Jim, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, what ends up happening, though, is Michael gives out leads to all the other departments. Right. And... Um, well, that's after um, Saber tells him specifically. That's that after he, Gabe. Yeah. Gabe. Yelling Gabe. Yeah. yeah. Gabe says he has to give them out to the employees, yeah. and he's like, "I will do exactly that. Right. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that." <laughs> he says it like four times, yeah. and if Gabe didn't get the fact that Michael was obviously going to not give them to the people he was supposed to give them right. to, yeah, he's not. Then the, Gabe is an idiot. That's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly every, everybody, that. Everybody would agree with you there. Um, so Creed gets some leads and Angela gets some leads and um, basically the sales reps have to now go up to the people who they've been dissing the whole time right. uh, to earn their leads back. Jim gets a very fun way to do his leads because he gets like a scavenger hunt basically. Yeah. Um, who gets Dwight's leads? I don't know. Kevin. Kevin. Oh yeah, that's right. Where does Kevin hide the leads? Does it, I in the garbage. In the garbage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the whole plot of the episode. The kitchen garbage. Yes, the kitchen garbage. So when we run over to the kitchen garbage... It's been emptied. Clean sack. Taken out. Clean sack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dwight licks it. So weird. Uh, and why was that garbage taken out? Uh, because Toby's... What is it? Falafel? It's not... Baba Ganoush. Baba Ganoush. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Dwight runs to the dumpster... Where it's also empty. And right. As the garbage said, people right. have come um, and taken it away. So the so episode leads are splits. Gone. That's right. And we have a, a garbage scavenger hunt. 
there's fifty thousand dollar weeds on note cards and nowhere else. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. <coughs> I almost feel like despite Michael's crazy playing here, Saber should still be yelling at that company. I agree. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, this is the other thing too, you know, part of me chooses to believe that for whatever reason, Saber delivered the leads to Dunder Mifflin, Scranton on note cards for their own ease. But somewhere Saber does have an Excel document or something, you know. Someone does. For so, sure. I mean right. that stuff was printed on paper. So right. there's so a the digital fact that version. This all of those happens things, even right. though the episode makes it like they've lost this whole big right. thing. Right. Is really I probably mean, not the biggest problem. Pro- I mean still not something you want to admit to your new boss of the company that just right. acquired right. you that you accidentally threw out the leads. Well, and not know? for nothing. It's not even just losing the leads. It's the potential of giving those leads to other companies. Well, that too, That's right. the real yeah. big problem. Right. Um, Andy's leads are hidden with Aaron. Right. And Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is an uncomfortable moment. So Aaron decides to play hot and cold. And... Being the awkward lady that she is, she just hid them something just quickly on her desk. Paper, yeah. Yeah, like a foot away from her. Not a big deal. But Andy's coming at such an angle that as he approaches and the it's hotter and hotter, he's like super close to grabbing her chesticles. Right. And then she says lower. Yeah. Right. And Andy freaks out. And honestly, not for nothing. I mean, kudos to Andy. Right. For for her asking. Right. (laughs) Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, and not just jumping for it when we all knew. Yeah, thank God he was didn't going just on. go for yeah. it. Right. Um, so, uh, Michael says everybody has to go to the dump with him. Right. The only people who go to the dump are Andy, Aaron, Michael, Dwight. and Dwight. Yeah. And they even go all separately because for whatever reason we never see them all on the scene together once yeah. they're at the dump. Now, what follows is the worst CGI. It's terrible. Green screening nonsense ever. It's really bad. Not the first time they've done it. They did it to Michael a couple of times when he goes to the city. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just rough. And it's, it's like really this bad. humongous garbage wasteland. Right. Which like you had said when we watched it the other day, it's like other shots would have sold that they're in a dump. Yes. Always Sunny did it and it was just like a pile of garbage. Right. You know, that was like, oh yeah, dump. I yeah, it. I mean, what I said to you was like, like, I get the urge to do what they did because they want to make it impossible to look find so it's, like, yeah. yeah, they want the viewer to understand that there's no way they're finding these fucking note cards. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's too much and it's not necessary. We all know that already by the time they're going to the dump because this is a trope we have seen before, right? Right, right. right, right. People going to the dump trying to find their things it never works out. Yeah. Never works out. So Michael and Dwight have a, a a combat here. Yeah. You know, Dwight eventually totally breaks down and says he regrets taking the job from Michael. Yeah. That he hitched his wagon to a, a dead mule or something of the sort. Yeah. Um, and they get into a garbage throwing match, which goes really well. Yeah. There's rolled wooden spools. There's uh, sinks with water still in them. Um, it's great. But they're both kind of tired, and they both kind of sit down on this bathtub, and after some moments, they have like a nice bonding moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're back. Michael Dwight. Four, number, Eva. EVA. <laughs> um, 
I love the moment when Michael picks up the sink. It's so gross. It's gross. It's really gross. It's really gross, yeah. Well, and it begs the question, like, how is the rest of the garbage not that gross? I yeah. can only imagine all of the stuff at a garbage dump is at the very least wet because it probably rained at least once that week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, like, how quickly is all that shit dry? Yeah, I just feel like it would all be moist and, like, really disgusting. Way more disgusting than the rest of the stuff they throw at each other. So I appreciate the sink because I'm like, yeah. That's real. That's real. That's gross. <laughs> um, so back at the office, Jim has convinced the rest of the sales reps that they just need to make peace. Right. Um, and they have a conversation, and ultimately they rest on giving them 2% of their commission. They don't really go into how that would be divvied up mathematically. Is it 2% of each reps pulled together and then evenly distributed? They don't talk about yeah. that. Whatever. It's not clear. Um, but that's what they decide to do. doesn't seem like a lot, 2%. No. Yeah, when I first watched this episode, I was like, wow, they're dicks. Yeah. That's like a really... And not for nothing, I would not accept like, that offer. Well, and the accounting department is who they've offended. And right. they would know that number. Right. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. But that's what they decide to offer. Um, and Jim really is the, the voice for change in this instance. He's like the only one who's willing to play ball. Well, and Stanley like refuses. Flat He's out. like, absolutely not. So to break the news, they get some treats and snacks, and they set up the conference room. They invite everybody in, and they make their introduction. Mm-hmm. Oscar cuts them off and says, "Nice job." Yeah, that's a that's a real. He commends him for taking the high road. Yeah, without uh, hearing the offer of the two percent. That's right. So Stanley comes in not knowing this, right? And he's about to like. He almost spills the beans. He almost does, but um, now, how do you feel about that? Are you mad at the reps for taking advantage of the situation? No. That's what they should have done because the other people gave in so quickly. I mean, here's the thing. 2% seems like such a small amount that I would be offended by it if I was offered that. Um, And on top of that, too, like, that money isn't owed to anybody. Like, that money belongs to the sales reps. You know, Mm. so. Okay. Okay. You're going to stop me. I work in a company where we've got sales reps. Yeah. And I feel like I've been in this moment Mm. where sales representatives come in and they demand the world because they are the people who bring in. And I've been told by supervisors that me and other departments who are not sales reps are cost. Right. Which I understand on paper that is accurate. Right. But my sales reps don't know how to use an iPad. Right. Right. My sales reps... We have uh, sales reps have to do presentations. Uh, We have an annual sales meeting, right? Mm -hmm. For the first time, the reps are being asked to present something. They have to take photos of their customer stores and they have to do an analysis based on, like, you know, what's good, what's bad, how can they improve, whatever. Right. They've been paired with a person in the company who is not a sales rep, who is graphically Inclined. inclined. Right. Can help them with a PowerPoint. Right. So, in this instance, I'm paired with some idiot sales rep to make their PowerPoint. And that's what's going to happen. I'm going to make it. Right. It was pitched as in they make it and I help them fix it. Right. This dude couldn't spell PowerPoint. <laughs> that's, what it, that, that's what that is. So, in a world where they come in and they demand all this stuff. I don't believe they would be as successful without their support team. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that's why the insignificant 2% is a nice gesture. Right. Because without accounts receivable... No, 
making sure those checks are coming in. Then where's your commission it. coming from? No, no, I get it. I agree. But like that commission is you sound like what a those, sales rep. Is, it's what those sales reps make or whatever, you know? So they It's don't, 2% of their commission though. I know, but I'm just saying like I wouldn't have to donate my salary to you because you support me in my work if it was salaried work. Those sales reps live off of their commissions. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But in this context, they have an uncapped commission right, now. Right, 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 So they're going far and I they're mean, treating listen, their coworkers poorly. It's an, Yes, I agree. And it's a nice gesture. There I'm, needs to be reparations. Okay, calm down. I agree they should do something. They need to apologize to the people they work with and they need to stop acting like dicks, which is really the big thing. Just act like a fucking human being moving forward. That's really all anybody wants. And money. <laughs> So I'm not saying they wouldn't have accepted the 2% or that it wouldn't have been nice, but in another universe, I think it seems like a rude amount to offer because it's so small or it sounds so small, right? Um, I mean, that's how much some companies contribute to 401k. Yeah. They're just basically doubling these people's 401k contributions. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not going to argue with you about it. You hate salespeople. I get it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they shouldn't have to do that. They should have to act like decent human beings. So the fact that they give a lunch and are going to act better moving forward is the actual good thing. It is the actual good thing. Well, it's the thing they had to do, right? Well, that's the thing. The 2% was because they didn't know if they could. Right, right. And because they never had this conversation again, yeah. apparently, they do maintain they their do, positive right. attitude. Yeah. yeah. But that, that was the whole thing. They had fucked up so royally at right, this that point. They, were, they had they to. They felt like they had right. to offer this thing, yeah. Um, also, not for nothing, but there's like a being good to these people would give them the leads that would let them make more money. Right, right, right. So there's, there's a lot. But your original question was, do I think they're jerks for not offering it once they realize they didn't have to? And my answer to that question is just no, because right. it's their money to give away. So it's okay. If they if they realize that it what they have done already is enough and they can just be good going forward, then I think they're in the clear and they don't have to offer any money because they don't have to offer any money. That was like something that they had thought of if nothing else worked. You know what I mean? And you're saying this specifically in this instance. Yes. Not in all instances where a group of people may have been treated very badly <laughs> and demand some form of payment. Let's call them reparation. <laughs> so you're not saying in that instance those people should just feel good that they might be being treated well. I am not saying that. That is correct. Only Dunder Mifflin sales reps. <laughs> are in this scenario that you've just you're talking out. about individuals to individuals you're just saying this to be yeah i've run a podcast F- okay? okay i'm trying to keep it entertaining uh, okay i'm right and you're wrong hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like something a sales rep would say <laughs> all right and the episode basically ends with aaron and andy kissing in the dump very oh it's romantic. so cute yeah, it is romantic. a cute moment um yeah, so that's that's where that goes. Um, just trying to look at some things. Johnny Depp is an actor known for being in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. Apparently they talk about Captain Crunch at some point. Uh, this article explains what a conspiracy is. Nice. What a handy article. <laughs> um, yep, that's about it. I so, like that um, the moment, so Jim has the scavenger hunt of all the stuff he should know about Michael if he was a good friend to Michael, right? Mm-hmm. Or a good employee or whatever. And I like when he calls Pam. Yeah, because Pam like knows. She knows. Yeah. 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 And it's nice to be like, oh yeah, Jim's a dick and Pam's a good person. 
I just like to continue to, as we move forward in this show, let's continue to drive that home to everybody. They're all dicks. Yeah. And Pam knows because even though she's the office Yeah, she was like his assistant. Right. That's why she knows. I know, but still. I mean, he knew. She remembers. He knew the first president. She hasn't been an assistant for a while. Under the first president was one of the hints. Right. Jim knew. Right. President Lincoln. Right. Founder of America. Right, of course. Um. No, but I mean, it's why I really appreciate when Michael leaves mm-hmm. and him and Pam have that off mic moment. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that's really the only way. Like, no words, I think, would have been good enough. Yeah. And no, Jim, I agree. Jim and Michael have a really great moment, too. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure the writers, like, literally said that in the room when they were writing that moment. They were like, I just don't know what would be enough in right, this moment. Right. And then somebody was like, how about they don't say anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just have it off mic. Right. Um, <laughs> Thank God for our little um, mockumentary show. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that's definitely uh, a point that they always try to remind us that Michael and Pam, Pam have, have this, like, it's nice. weird connection. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, and despite Michael trying to bang her, it's definitely yeah. father-daughter. Yeah. That, oh, for sure. Yeah. All right, so what would you give this episode? I'm going to give it a 2.9 out of 5 sinks with water in them. (laughs) Why? Well, I feel like it's not as good as um, St. Patrick's Patrick's Day. Day. So when I'm comparing it to that and I gave that a (laughs) 3.2, I have to to put it as a little less. Okay. Uh, I give it like a 3.9. Wow. You think it's better? Out of 5. Um... Moppy places. <laughs> Moppy places. Uh, you know what it is? It's because I like episodes that involve everybody. Yeah. And that's what this one is. Yeah. And um, and you like episodes where they leave the office. I can like episodes where they leave I the see. office. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the dump, honestly. Okay. Uh, really, if anything, that's what stops this from being a four episode is the dump shot is just kind of so distracting that mm. it's hard to really appreciate what's going on there. Uh, but it's nice to have, like, the sales reps. You know, all the versus stuff. Like, when they were talking about Harry Swank. Yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah, that's a this great episode. episode. Great, yeah, yeah. So, all, <laughs> like, the when there's, then there's teams. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll do it for this week's episode of uh, Great Scott Office Podcast. Uh, check us out at Broken Jars XYZ. Uh, visit patreon.com slash broken jars to donate some of your hard-earned money so we can keep doing what we do. Visit Zencaster.com and enter code all caps broken jars for 20% off your subscription. Talk to us wherever you may find us on Twitter at broken jars something. <laughs> uh, listen to some of the other awesome shows. Cough, cough, dangerous to go alone. Yeah, if you like me and J Ray's witty repartee, we have our own podcast called Dangerous to Go Alone. And you can check us out there talking about some nerd and geek culture stuff. Yep. Uh, at the time of this recording, the newest episode is about PAX Unplugged, an East Coast convention that just happened recently about board games and tabletop games. And we've got another episode coming out about Thor Ragnarok and the Justice League movie. Yeah. yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm not allowed to plug my show when Jacob's on the show. You should plug your show always because it is our show and I'd appreciate the plug. That's true. <laughs> and me and Amanda get along a lot better on that show. 
than we did on this one. <laughs> She's a sales rep lover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. No, I don't think that's true. I think we fight on our ours all the time. Some people hated the movie Logan. Some other people enjoyed the movie Logan. Well, and, and the good thing about that is that the guy who rightfully hated Logan edits the show. <laughs> so he could, you know, he could really prove his point by deleting some of the other person's stupid How points. How dare you? <laughs> uh, that's going to do it. We'll see you uh, next time. Uh, catch you later. Bye.